Hey, welcome to the Virtually Speaking Podcast. My name is Pete Fletcher, and my co-host, John Nicholson, and I went to VMware Explore a few weeks ago, and we had some great conversations with some customers, partners, and VMware execs. We'll be sharing those conversations throughout the next couple of weeks, but this week we want to share a conversation we had with the Australian Securities Exchange, or ASX. Now, ASX is Australia's primary securities exchange and is among the world's top exchanges. I mean, with between five and six trillion dollars in equity and fixed income assets. They provide listing, trading, clearing and settlement services, plus an array of technology and post-trade services. And so at VMware Explore, John and I spoke to their CIO, Dan Chesterman, about how they're using VMware blockchain for their clearing and settlement system replacement project, as well as a brand new service offering. Enjoy. Good afternoon and welcome to the Virtually Speaking Podcast. My name is Pete Fletcher, a.k.a. Pedro Arrow, and joining me once again is Mr. John Nicholson. John, how you doing, buddy? You know, this has been a great week, but I, I need some vacation after this, and I just want to go somewhere really far away. I, oh. I, I just want to get on a plane and go as far as is humanly possible. Oh, boy. That's exciting. I, there's a lot of places you could go, man. Where, where are you thinking? Uh, maybe down under. Maybe down should, under? Yeah. Well, John, you are not only the king of corny segues, uh, but you're in luck because we have the CIO of the of ASX. Uh, his name is uh, Dan Chesterman. He was actually on the keynote today with Kit, uh, and he's going to talk to us today. Dan, welcome to the podcast. Hi, guys. Nice to be here. So, uh, down under, good. You like it there, Sydney's guys? It's very nice, although I was just saying there's, there's no short flights from Sydney, so <laughs> everywhere we go is a long flight. Absolutely. So, so Dan, I did I did get a chance to catch a little bit of the keynote, and uh, you were talking a little bit about how you're, you're taking advantage of, uh, of VMware's blockchain, but let, let's back up a little bit and talk a little bit about ASX. For those that don't know, what is ASX, and, uh, and how do you guys contribute to uh, society in general? Sure. Uh, so ASX is Australia's leading financial market. Um, we offer a very wide range of services, including listing, trading, clearing, and settlement for a number of different asset classes like equities, derivatives, fixed income, energy, and commodities. Um, but beyond just being an exchange, there's a, a separate part of the business, which, which is what I'm actually accountable for, which is technology and data. And so in technology, we actually um, commercialize our data center, so the Australian Liquidity Center. Our customers put their equipment in our data center in order to be close to our matching engine mm. or to be interconnected with each other. Uh, we also run a virtual private network called ASXNet, um, and our customers use that to connect to Australia's financial markets from either domestic or uh, international points of presence. And then on the data side, uh, we've got a wide range of um, data products, including obviously market data and pricing feeds and audibles and things like this. Uh, but also increasingly we're starting to look at whether we can actually make a you know, data science as a service platform. So th that's, that's really where we actually see a lot of potential and, and a lot of growth, um, if you like, because there, there is, you know, underpinning exchanges, lots and lots of data and many, much of it has not yet seen a lot of day. Hmm. Well, so this is interesting because, you know, obviously, you know, being an exchange, you help broker the, you know, sale of these commodities, but you're also generating data, which people historically try to subscribe, get a faster ticker, you know, back in the day tape or modems are dialing in. And then you kind of become an ISP from that, it sounds like, from a connectivity and peering and people wanting to get closer for, you know, frequency of trading and things like that. But, you know, rather than just service them, the data actually help manipulate the data and drive it into that is what are the, some of the typical markets that are looking for that? Well, so there's a wide range of different kind of customers. So you're right, there's some customers that really do prioritize low latency and having their equipment close to the matching engine, and that's one subset. Um, but increasingly, we're actually also seeing that some customers use our 
uh, infrastructure or come into our data center not necessarily to connect directly with the exchange, but potentially to connect with each other. Okay, so, so it is they're already going to have to be there for other reasons, so they might as well, you know, banks m m might as well just do settlement and other things between each other. They, and then also they might wind up saying, if we've got to have a presence within the ALC, we might actually also put other parts of our, uh, our local needs in that same. So we have some strategic customers who will take a cage and have their whole, um, you know, data center within our hall. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, data has gravity, and so if you already have to be there for one source of truth in data, and then. There's things that are chained off of that. The nature of one, one data warehouse always in, tends to spawn another analytics platform or thing next to it. Totally, so. and that's the way that we think about what we provide is open infrastructure um, that our customers find valuable as long as we can actually you know, demonstrate a good total cost of ownership. No, that's fun. So, Good and interesting business and not necessarily what people naturally... Absolutely, it blew my mind. I just, I've never seen you know, a stock... I, I just think about the New York Stock Exchange and I, I'm trying to imagine you know, them running this similar type of business. <laughs> well, a, a lot of the exchanges do globally have low latency, but we've been, I, I, I suppose, a little bit more open with is uh, the idea that actually there's a, a whole ecosystem which you can build mm -hmm. around this. And I think that's, that's something that's really valuable to think about. So can you share a little bit about your uh, digital transformation initiatives that you have going on? Sure, and maybe the best way to structure this is three legs to the tech, the tech strategy. Okay. Uh, the first is tech transformation, and that's really about modernizing a lot of the platforms and systems that we use. And we started with a real focus on the equity stack, so the, the systems that support our equity business. And that included up, uh, upgrading our trading platform, upgrading all of the systems that we use to take the data af off the trading platform and share it with other systems within the exchange, but also with our customers. And some of those were like 25 or 30 year old ETLs that we're now replacing with um, you know, microservices that we're putting on a Kubernetes-based platform with Kafka and Spring Boot. So it's a real modernization of the data dissemination yeah. and enrichment capability. Um, there's a, a, another project which uh, we're in the midst of and we're working closely with VMware on, which is the replacement of Chess. You know, Chess is a, a very significant system in the context of Australian financial markets because uh, it was implemented originally in 1994, 96, that sort of era. Mm -hmm. it, it, it was a very, very important system because it allowed us in 1998 as a country to dematerialize equities. Um, so we don't actually have share certificates stored in a vault like you have in some of the markets, sure. you know, including quite progressive markets. I, I feel like you know, there's no bearer bonds or bearer, you know, no, equivalent or anything like the, that. There's, 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 there's essentially a record on chess, which is the system that ASX operates. Uh, for everyone that has a broker-sponsored holding, you will also have a holder identification number, which is your unique identifier, and you'll get a certificate of your balance from your broker, but also from chess, which is the... Oh, wow. So if, I have, if I've got accounts with five different financial institutions, there's there's still one set of records across that. You may, in that context, have more than one holder identification number, so you yeah, might yeah, yeah. still get five certificates, but okay, we've now but recently sort of modernized those, and you can consolidate holdings onto one hint. Well, but that also makes it one potential API or point to go tap and, and then look at data from a more holistic standpoint. So the chess has been important, I think, for all of those reasons, but um, the reality is being as aged as it is, it's a COBOL-based um, system that operates on Itanium servers. So mm. over time, we did want to modernize it. It sits at the center of this sort of ecosystem, and it is the source of truth for your holdings, for any broker-sponsored uh, holdings. And, and you know that includes your name, your address, your details. So I, I also love the, particularly in finance, you know, you talk about this being cobalt, the age of applications. Yeah, <laughs> sure. And it's, you know, it's like, okay, it's, it's once every two decades we get to refactor this. So, you so, know, and... You don't necessarily want to rush into it because you know maybe there's that next new shiny thing around the corner. But wh what are you looking to replatform towards with this? So 
it's, it's very, there's no rushing, that's one thing yeah, you can say yeah, for yeah. sure. Uh, but um, we did take the view that actually it was worth exploring whether DLT or distributed ledger technology would actually be helpful for not, uh, not just on day one, but actually providing infrastructure upon which the industry can innovate over the next you know, 10, 15, even 20 years. Uh, and so we started this project a number of years ago uh, with really this ambition to um, create infrastructure, the next generation of financial markets infrastructure. Wow, so it's this will be the, it, it's not just a, a new database or it's not just an upgrade or it's not just a little more scalable. This is gonna be a platform for other innovation to come onto. So the way I think about it is, uh, we've got a number of participants who connect to us. Um, it's it, today in the current chess paradigm, we provide messages back and forth. It's a proprietary set of chess messages which um, is used by the ecosystem to stay in sync, if you like. Um, but of course, message-based integration isn't perfect. Everyone's actually caching locally their own version of all that data. Of course, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, in a, in a, well, and maybe they're having side discussions and then trying to do a settlement later or something. I think the, the reality is what happens is there's a degree of reconciliation. There is the risk of reconciliation breaks. Um, there's yep. also just a degree of latency that's inherent in that system. Plus, if there's a new regulatory requirement, everyone has to then apply it in their own context. Um, the idea behind the Chess Replacement Project is we put in place a platform which allows for customers to connect in whichever way they choose. They can still use messages if that's what they like. And I think on day one, a lot of them will use, will modernize the message set from the proprietary messages which has existed before to ISO 2022, and that'll be familiar to many of the global custodians of banks and brokers okay. that we connect to. But they'll also have the option for one or many of their flows to actually use smart contracts and direct integration. So each of them will, in the background, have a node offered as a service by us so that they can actually start to think about multi-party workflows and multi-party applications that are powered by smart contracts. Now, our vision is that we won't necessarily be the company with the, the organization building all of the applications. We certainly build chess, that's our application, and that stores in it all the rules associated with listing and with clearing and settlement in Australia. But uh, another application could be built, for example, for in internal deal approval for employees, uh, you know, buying shares or selling shares, or maybe a rights issue, or maybe an account hierarchy application that could be used to, um, you know, make it more efficient, if you like, to, to, to have those sorts of structures. Um, and, and ultimately, that's what we see our role to be. As a financial market infrastructure, we put in place systems and infrastructure which allow the ecosystem to, over time, reduce cost and friction and risk. And that's just an example of this. Okay. So blockchain DLT as a service. Tell me a little bit about the motivation behind that. So as we were doing this work, we found that we were spending a lot of time with customers or even not direct customers, but people that we might interact with um, who wanted to understand a little bit about what ASX uh, you know, was up to, what's the, what is a DLT and how could it potentially be applied. Um, and what we arrived at is actually that any, any ecosystem that exists where there are multiple parties that want to share data, um, but they want to also preserve privacy and they want to be able to operate at scale um, and at the necessary throughput. Is, is privacy important in the finance? Mm. Oh, okay. Oh, I think so, yeah. All right. and, but it's actually important, it's important in lots of different contexts. So we came up with the idea actually of DLT as a service, meaning if you wanted to build a multi-party application in Australia, a, many of the people who might be part of that ecosystem are probably part of our existing customer set. It's, it's kind of like the hosting thing earlier. Well, we're already there. We might as well just talk while we're here. Yeah. We've know? already made a set of technology choices, including DAML on VMware blockchain, which have been built to meet the exacting standards of the exchange clearing and settlement system. That's probably yeah. a superset of the requirements that smaller applications might require. Um, and what that means is that the application developer and the ecosystem 
can much more quickly uh, get to actually building a multi-party application rather than starting by setting up a consortium, going through tech due diligence, agreeing on a, a model and, and how we're going to operate this. This, so this kind of reminds me of some of the discussions about why customers are wanting to do a cloud or wanting to go to these platform as a service systems. It, it's it's let someone who's a grown up who knows what they're doing take care of you know the, the physical or the lower levels and lower levels and let me in a, choose to engage at the point of innovation. It sounds like you're kind of providing a, a highly stable, well-respected platform for them to build on. That's, that's a, good, a good way to put it is that we're trying to help customers get more quickly to business value, which yep. actually comes at the innovation and the application level. And so um, we've got a number of different customers working on different uh, you know, use cases, uh, and maybe one I've described, which I think is a great example of the sort of stuff that could be done, which is quite different to financial markets. Um, KPMG, working in conjunction with the New South Wales Office of the Building Commissioner, um, has created an application called the Property Trustworthiness Indicator. And what this does is stores all of the data associated with the materials and the processes used in the construction of a residential apartment building. And then using an algorithm that's been created by the Western Sydney University, um, they come up with a trust score, which changes over time if you maintain the building. And it can be used to give you a sense of, essentially, had this been built to code with the materials of the right quality? Have they been installed in the right way? Who are the contractors involved? And you can adjust the scores of like, oh, it turns out those guys did a good job, or those guys, does that engineering firm, or who all was, exactly. well touch it. Is this gonna help in terms of like, for the property market or building, uh, borrowing against, or other activities against it, or? Well, so the, the idea behind it is that, obviously in that ecosystem, you've got a number of people who might have, have the, the need for that indication. That could be the, the the bank, it could be the insurer, oh, yeah, it could insurance. be the investor, it could be... How flammable is this? I mean, no, you well, can so score all that stuff. Flammability is a really interesting one. So there is actually a project uh, that the government is running called Project Remediate, which is aiming to improve the some buildings which were built with more flammable cladding. Yeah. They're going to ask that all of those buildings get their materials placed in this application, and if they are, then the Insurance Council of Australia has said they would not charge them the flammable, like the extra premium that they were going to be charged for having that... Well, in, in, insurance is something too, you know, at least for in the States, if it's on, you know, my house or a car, it's real simple. If it's some large commercial structure, someone's going to come out there and kick the building and do these things and, you know, trying to get three bids that, you know, appropriately try to tie the, the value of the cost of that property to that uh, without dealing with a bunch of MGAs and other, like, there's just all these middlemen that magically appear the second you get beyond commercial insurance. But this should allow much more automated, much more transparent, hopefully lower cost, you know, or at least appropriately assign risk. Totally, and that's really the idea. If I think about the role we play in financial markets is we run infrastructure and we provide very, very reliable and trusted data. Yep. Yeah. Um, that can actually be applied to any uh, data exchange. Well, and I like the idea of partnering with the government where it's part of, you know, the people who are already needing to collect this stuff, but no, it's no longer getting buried in a basement. It's it's in a place where they can access it in a reliable and trustworthy way. And it, it will take time for all of the firms to, you know, uh, if you like, digitize their process and be able to feed this application. That won't happen immediately because sure. there's all sorts of different scale. But a couple of the um, large, you know, building contractors have actually been part of this initiative as well. And that was the other key point I wanted to highlight is when you start to think about these multi-party applications, um, which is actually, I think, what enterprise blockchains can yeah. support, you really do need to start to collaborate and co-innovate. And so that project, the Property Trustworthiness Indicator, you know, led by KPMG, Office of Building Commissioner doing a fantastic job with the requirements. Um, Mervac, who's one of the big contractors, was part of the pilot group. Um, Microsoft, VMware, Digital Asset, and uh, AWS, all involved in creating something which couldn't have been created by one of those parties by themselves. Yeah. 
Oh wow! This is. I mean, this is getting. It's a whole ecosystem. It's collaboration. Yeah. So that's the first application that's live, and then other ones we're looking at, or customers of ours are actually in different stages of development and testing on, include a private equity register, uh, a, a, a a system for the administration of superannuation, uh, which is basically the equivalent of your 401k, um, yeah, so yeah, retirement yeah. saving schemes. Um, there's, there's a, there is a share trading app. There's a share repo agreement um, application. So there's a number of different applications. It, being able to centralize that would be great because, yeah, if you've ever had a couple jobs in this country, you end up with, like, multiple 401ks and islands, and you have to manually go move stuff and call people and paper. So they mail you a check. It's kind of a barbaric process compared to the, the streamlinedness I'm sure you'd be able to deliver. You, 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 could, you could imagine. And that's, that's really what it, it will take time for whole ecosystems to be replatformed, and none of this is going to be quick. But... You can see in that sort of um, the space where, um, you know, potentially there are new asset classes that haven't ever really been traded liquidly. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's sort of the, the promise potentially of this future. So how does uh, VMware blockchain and even multi-cloud play into all this for you guys? So VMware blockchain has been really important because ultimately as an exchange, we have very, very high requirements for, you know, things like performance, scalability, uh, recoverability, customer support, customer success. Um, so working with the VMware team, uh, you know, obviously they've been able to apply a really high level of engineering competence to the project, um, but also a, a very strong product mindset. So we, you know, work together on what the roadmap looks like. Um, we're obviously providing a lot of the early, um, but not the only source of requirements. Um, and you can see that the, you know, the product roadmap will evolve over time and continue to add new features, which will up unlock ultimately new business opportunities. Uh, and then finally, there has just been the spirit of collaborative co-creation. Um, which has been really central to, to, to this initiative. And, and, you know, we see the relationship for us, therefore, de developing from just a, I suppose, a customer-supplier relationship to be more co-creating and partnering and even going to market together. Very nice, very nice. Last question for you before we let you go. Uh, VMware Explore has just been filled with great, great announcements, uh, great sessions. Uh, any, anything, this, any takeaways from you this week? Any good conversations you've had? Any sessions that you've attended? I mean, I think there are some really interesting parts of, of what the keynote covered yesterday. I think vSphere version 8 is obviously a really important development, sure. one that we'll, we'll be watching. I think the emphasis on multi-cloud is really relevant. I mean, everyone knows that we'll never be able to rely purely on one cloud. Right. So I think most firms are trying to work out and navigate how native do you be with each separate one. And any, you know, approaches and, you know, that, that help organizations with that, I think will, people will definitely evaluate and try and look at. Um, and then the emphasis on improving the developer experience. That's, yeah. the, uh, that's the other key thing, and I think something that we all need to, as technology divisions, you know, focus on, because that's actually how you retain and, and get good talent doing good work. Well said, well said. Well, Dan, thank you so much for joining Virtually Speaking, and uh, yeah, open, open door policy. If you ever want to come back on, we really appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Enjoy the chat. <laughs>